No wave is too huge. No enemy is too powerful. For the most daring thief on the seven seas. Sinbad! Uh, yeah. But the greatest challenge he'll ever face. We are going to die! Is the newest member of his crew. A ship is no place for a woman. You are the most ungrateful, impossible, insufferable... I'd like to introduce you to your new bunkmate. Oh, if he starts hugging your leg, it means he likes you. This summer... Five on Marina. Oh, no. no. They've got a goddess on their tails. <laughs> this is going to be fun. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Well, Chris and Tom are looking at some movies. The biggest bombs the world has ever seen. But do they suck or are they really groovy? Will Tom and Chris be nice or mean? But do these films deserve humiliation? Of being called the worst flicks around Millions in PR couldn't save them But do they deserve the loser's lounge? Episode 6 Sinbad, 2003 Where's Ray Harryhausen when you need him? Sailing, sailing over the bounding main. Yeah. Hello, folks. Hello. We are still on our three-episode journey over the waters of the world. <laughs> Here on whatever it is, we can guarantee you it's not the Loser's Lounge. That's right. I'm Tom DJ. I'm Chris Tyler, aka the Hair Metal Hero. The Hair Metal Hero. Did you see that that thing when I, I inputted the AI? Yep. The pro and the thing is, I automatically thought, "Oh my God, you're going, Chris. He's the one. He's the the, the one bare chested one kneeling." Uh, if my knees could actually do that, sure. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't think so. But. Um... Yeah, we are now, I think this is the sixth. Let me just check my list. One, two, three, four, five. Yes, this is the sixth biggest box office bomb of all time. It's our first animated one. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, honestly, I mean, with the budget and what this actually made, I don't know why this is where it's it, where, where it is. But, uh, yeah, what are well, we actually doing? We are doing Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, which had a net production budget of $60. And um, I, I kind of see, let's see, $60, it made $80 worldwide. Not $80. Millions. Like just, just, Millions. This guy had eighty dollars. <laughs> no, eighty million dollars worldwide. 
80.8. And it may... We once again remind people that when you try to figure out if a film made money, you basically have to take the budget and double it to allow for post-production and also for marketing uh, marketing and advertising and the like. So um, the estimated... um, Adjusted for inflation, the estimated loss was $184 million. Okay. So, um... That is that's that's a that's a loss. Yes. And uh, this was the last two D animated film from DreamWorks. Um. Yeah. Yeah. She's. Oh my god. DreamWorks. That's... DreamWorks Animation, the animation house created out of spite. <laughs> hey, sometimes it works. Well, it. For a while, it did work. Yeah, I, I again, I, you know, I'm probably going to be one of the outliers on this movie, but you know, I'm sure we'll get to that. But no, yeah. but I mean, Je- Jeffrey Katzenberger started an animation studio out of spite because he wasn't given the CEO position at D- at Disney, and thus defected to join. Um, Steven Spielberg and who's the other one? There, there were three people. Spielberg, Katzenberg, and Geffen, right? Geffen, that's right. David Geffen <clears throat> to, um, to to create DreamWorks SKG. And Jeffrey Katzenberger was in charge of the animation studio. And the first thing he did was a fairly forgive the air quotes savage takedown of the Disney um, formula called Shrek. Well, that one worked. That one worked. Although, I don't particularly care for it, but it made a shitload of money. My last girlfriend made me sit through Shrek. I- I'm not an animation person, I-, I should mention. But she made me... She She loved that film so much. She made me sit through it. And you know how, like, when somebody really loves something and they're trying to show you it, and they're, like, they're kind of looking at you going, like, see? See? Yeah. And I'm, like, at the end of it, I'm, like, I can see why it works, but it's not for me. Hey, I, trust me, I've, if I, any time I sit down to watch Highlander, Marion's, like, I'm out. I'm, like, (laughs) you're wrong. It's okay, but you're wrong. And... The thing was, have you have you heard the um, the test animation they had with Chris Farley that they they uncovered recently? I think that's part of the, one of the reasons why I don't like Shrek. I I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, because I was following that when that was all getting started. It's like that was supposed to be Farley, and I guess I was just pissed at him for you know doing what he did to himself and not being Shrek. Yeah. But um, I did have not seen the test animation. I'm sure it's awesome. It's. Very different. Let's put it that way. And I do wonder, I feel that if we had that interpretation of Shrek, it probably would have been a different film entirely. How could it not be? Yeah. It might not not have been what it was, what what it became, though, too. Even the design. I mean, if you've seen the the design for uh, Shrek when uh, Farley was still alive to be attached, 
was extremely different. Okay. It was more in, in keeping with the illustrations of the children's book. I see. I didn't even know it was adapted from a children's book. <laughs> adapted from a children's book, and it is um, definitely in the roll doll style of children's book in that okay. it's about how Shrek is gross and disgusting. And apparently there's actually a line in the book where, where it is stated that God hated him. Now, see, I, that sounds right up my alley. So it's honestly surprised. I'm surprised that I didn't care for the movie. <laughs> well, because it's it, it's a much, like I said, it, once Mike Myers took over, it was like, I want to do a Scottish accent. And I wanted, I think it just became a much different film. But anyway, um, Trek was a massive hit. And for a while... Katzenberger figured he found the formula to fight Disney. And I think part of the problem with this film, and part of the reason why it didn't go over, is because it follows Katzenberger's formula too much to the letter. Okay. But, um, anyway, it is uh, uh, the last 2D animated film produced by, by DreamWorks SKG. And um, what's it about, Chris? Uh, it's about Sinbad, the sailor. Which is unfortunate <laughs> because his name is on the title. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, um, uh, let's say, a mildly sanitized version of, of Sinbad. Um, and it's him and his crew. Nowhere is, he me- is the word pirate mentioned. Uh, you know, what the, I mean, this followed on from the first Pirates movie, so maybe yeah. they didn't want to play their hand too much with that, so I can kind of understand that. Um, you know, because by that point, Pirates had started to be cool again. So maybe that was just a choice of, we don't, you know, let's try to distinguish ourselves. And, and yes, Sinbad is a pirate. He's a swashbuckler. He's an adventurer. As long as he's an adventurer on a boat, Swash and buckles. If he could be a pirate or an adventurer, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. And um, this film was originally a screenplay by Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio. Well, there's the Pirates connection. Which was uh, their follow-up to Aladdin. Okay. That... Disney passed on, which I think isn't once again, Jeffrey Katzenberg goes, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll show you that I'm going to make this film um, you know, I'm going to make this film that you said was, was too stupid. That's why also we got The Road to El Dorado. Because that was another discarded Disney script. Yeah, again, again, these are movies that I that I don't hate. I don't know why why they're as maligned as they are. Um, like I, I I'll, said, to, to be to be fair though, I am a mark for like jungle adventure and, and seafaring right. adventure. So I understand what the filmmakers were trying to do, not just um the finally credited writer John Logan, but also the director Tim Johnson and Patrick Gilmore. 
they were wanted to do a it seemed like a Ray Harryhausen style adventure film. Yeah. Without the constraints of a live action budget. Yeah, and and that's not a bad template to go off of. I I agree. I think it it that the fact that I could see that skeleton still poking through is to the credit of how valid that idea was. Um, I think part of the problem, I mean, well, a major part of the problem is the voice cast. Uh, yeah, I, so, I mean, so it's, it's Brad Pitt is Sinbad. Um, Yeah, it's Brad Pitt has, and and Brad Pitt's Sinbad is Brad Pitt. Yeah, it, but again, the, it's one of the, again, I'll bring up the, the age-old thing. It's, you know, art and commerce. Um, is right. this movie going to get made if it doesn't have a all-star cast? Well, you that's, know? I, think it, I think that the all-star cast, quote-unquote, because I was thinking about this. I was thinking about back to the films of the Renaissance, of the, of the, the Mouse Renaissance. And with the except, there's usually one big name in a character role mm-hmm. um and most of the others are legitimate stage actors and voice actors yeah and i think there is a difference between being able to act because nobody is disputing that brad pitt can act and Catherine zeta jones can act I'm not going to make a joke about her acting every time she kisses uh, wrinkly old Michael <laughs> Michael Douglas. But um, but they're not voice actors. They cannot. They do not project character. No, their no, they voice don't. performance. Um, that's why usually, if if you look back at older. Um, animated films. Usually, when they went for a celebrity, it's somebody with a very distinctive comedic voice, like Dom DeLuise or Paul Lind, which I remember from Charlotte's Web, which which rocked and was traumatic to young Tom. (laughs) (laughs) But. Brad Pitt is just Brad Pitt. And I never, ever felt that Pitt or Zeta Jones were doing their job. And I was supposed to, I was supposed to be invested in this conflicted love story triangle. (laughs) I, I will say, though, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer seemed to be enjoying herself. Hey, you know, if you're, in a, if you're playing a goddess, the goddess of discord, I mean, come on. Yeah. You got to ham it up a little bit. Yeah, no, but but even she, I think, understood that you need to use. And you and I were both voice actors. Okay. With ATW, <laughs> correct? Yes. 
We have both done various different types of voices for ATW. And one of the things we've learned is you have to kind of use your voice to compensate for the lack of other things. <laughs> I've been doing give, that my whole life. To give the character... Um, a sense of who they are right. through their line readings. And, I mean, none of the... Because the first name... I'm looking at the voice cast right now. The first name that, to me, is a legitimate voice actor is Jim Cummings. Yeah. Um, and that's no slight on Joseph Fines or Dennis Haysbert. But most of these people, I was like, I didn't feel anything about, uh, for these people. And so, because I didn't feel that they were characters when the Crystal Kraken shows up or the, the, the big snowy rook. I, I didn't get caught up, you know? Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the one of the failings of the film. Um, there is something missing from the performances, and again, I, I by I, I mean I I think it was the first time Brad Pitt did any sort of voice acting. Probably, yeah, I think it, it was shows. for for most for most of them. And, and again, if you're not used to doing that, it's definitely going to be some, you know and that's probably the direction. Uh, and again, I don't know much about the director. I don't know what else he directed. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that this was, I think it was Tim, I'm just, let me see, because I think it was Tim's, um, Johnson's first work. Uh, oh, Ants. Ooh. Ooh. Just looked him up. Okay, okay, he worked, it must have been the other one, it must have been Patrick Gilmore, who was, it was his first time. Because Ants was before this. Yeah. And he also went on to do um, Over the Hedge, which I at least admire for the fact that they said, they just went to Ben Folds and said, here, do whatever you want for the music. <laughs> so we get we get a remade version of Ben Folds' anti-corn anthem, um, Rocking the Suburbs, with William Shatner doing a doing in spoken word transition ballsy which i'm like yes thank you for that i actually kind of preferred that version to the original <laughs> um yeah it, it again it, it's 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 one of those movies that again where the reach probably ex exceeded the grasp right. of everybody involved that being said I like the animation in it. I like the story in it. Mm -hmm. I'm it's and it's short. It's like 82 minutes before the credits. Like, so right. for the, for those 82 minutes where I'm having a larger than life seafaring adventure, mm -hmm. I, I'm okay with it. Again, I didn't need more of it. Like I wasn't clamoring for a sequel. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed the time that I had with it. And I mean, I saw this. I saw this drive-in. You know, and I yeah. So, uh, I, I was I was cool with it. Um, again, like I said, not hungry for more. 
Um, right. I mean, I, in general, I'd be hungry for more Sinbad, but not this version. Was eh, you know, I had a good time watching it. it. Wasn't the greatest thing ever. Yeah, but I mean, Pitt is kind of his delivery is kind of dead during this. Yeah. Um, so again, should they have gone with somebody else? Probably. You know, I, as for since it's voice acting, they could have got anybody and it, you know made it work. But I don't know. I don't know. Funny, I'm okay. I'm looking at the the Wikipedia for this. And under casting, it said that Michelle Pfeiffer at, said to Katzenberg before production began, it "says you know you can fire me because oh, she was because she was getting conflicting instructions on how to play Eris." Oh. Sometimes hmm. she thought that Eris was being written as too sexual, that is too dull. And it was after the third rewrite. She just said, you, you can fire me. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you do in that situation? If uh, you can't serve two masters, you know, you got to got to find find one thing and go with it. If, and if that's what she, wasn't happening for her, uh, I, don't, I don't blame her. Um, mm -hmm. eh, that's that's a rough. That's rough. Yeah. Although, like I said, I, th I think she uh, of the cast, she's the one that seemed to have gotten the remit best. And I think that that slightly, you know, that slightly smoky, you know, vamping way she talked worked for the character. Yes, for sure. I mean, it, it, she 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 took lemons and made lemonade with with this for sure so um it, it, it doesn't i mean keep in mind you know obviously i'm not saying that i hated this film it's just i'm not a i'm not an animation person and for me to respond to to an animation it has to be something really really special and it just I didn't feel it. Yeah, I, I, it, um, I, I do like animation. I mean, honestly, it, again, it depends on what you know what the story being told is. Um, yeah, but if you're not an animation guy, then this obviously isn't going to do anything for you. Um, as someone who does like animation, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's hand drawn or computer assisted, um, yeah, it's there's nothing here to write home about. Mm -hmm. um, which I think they were wise in using the in using their, their 3D for the monsters. Yeah, and, and why wouldn't you? If you can blend it seamlessly, yeah. that's great. And again, it's not super seamless in this. I, I but again, I, I I don't have a problem with the actual animation in this. That's that's really not the issue right. with the film. And it's not one of my issues with the film. It's it's just it's one of those things that it got written, it was a cast off project, like you said. It got snapped up by somebody else. They tried to make a silk purse out of a silk purse out of a sow's ear with it. Um, yeah. How successful they are with that? Well, clearly, people didn't go see it. And again, I don't know if that's because of the film itself or the marketing or I mean, because we are who we are. Yeah. At 24 years old, I knew who Sinbad was because uh, you know Harryhausen. Yeah, of course yeah. I know. Um, but uh, kids, I don't know. I mean, I have a feeling this was probably going to rely on 
parents in their 50s saying, oh, I loved Sinbad when I was a kid. Let me take my kids to this. And I guess mm-hmm. just didn't quite make that jump. And it's going to be hard to do in a post-Pirates world. Like, you're going to look well, like you're trying to fight on. Pirates, Curse of the Black Pearl was released the week after this came Was it out. the week? Oh, you you know what? You're right, because when I saw this at the drive-in, that was the double feature. It was Pirates and mm. then this. Would you like to know what was in the theaters at the same time? And the re- what did better than it? July 2003. On its opening week? I'm trying to think. July of 2003. Yeah, you know, I can't quite remember. Okay. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Okay. Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. Okay. Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle. Okay. Hulk. Okay. And Finding Nemo. Well, there you go. That tells the story. That's the thing in E.T. right there. That's the same story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's something else we should kind of address about the voice acting. Which is, here's a, a film about a Arabic character uh, having adventures in the Aegean Sea with Greeks, and he has a Midwestern accent. Ah, uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, not not the greatest choice. What, what, what are you going to do? Um they probably should have got the guy who played Ardeth Bay from The Mummy to be Sinbad yeah. for the for this because he's yeah. got a fantastic voice. But again, he's not going to be pulling in the box office. You put Brad Pitt on there, you're kind of trying to guarantee yourself an opening. Guess it didn't work. Um, Jack Shaheen, who was a critic at the time, brought this up to Katzenberg. Um, in an interview, and Katzenberg kind of went at, didn't seem surprised. Which fair enough. Which presumably means that they had considered it and decided, nah, nah, nah. And, and I, I, here's the other problem with the film. I, I thought was that they contemporized it too much. Um, I mean, this was the first Sinbad movie in what. 30 years probably uh let's take a look i'm gonna i'm gonna go over to sinbad and see how many okay the last live action direct-to-video films there was a a direct-to-video film called sinbad the battle of the dark knights which of course to me just makes me think oh i guess uh he's fighting batman <laughs> i take some bad i I, w- I would be like yeah I'd... there was also uh a two-year canadian action adventure fantasy series that lasted from 1996 to 98 okay and i swear but apparently there wasn't i swear there was a live action film prior to this in like the late 90s that may have starred Casper Van Dien, but I might be confusing that. That, that was Tarzan. That was Tarzan in the Golden, what was it, the Valley of Gold or something like that? I honestly can't remember the title. It's it, it's Tarzan. I just don't, you know, it's Tarzan. 
<laughs> but so essentially, they're trying to bring this character back into the public consciousness, mm-hmm. um, and the meta humor and modernization. I mean, that's stuff that just it happens regardless. Yeah, is it the best choice for this character? Probably not. Um, didn't really work in the version with the with the, the rock because wasn't that him as well or was that no that was hercules jesus i'm getting, all, that, my, that, yeah, yeah, getting that was... all my pulp and it didn't really work in that either um sometimes you can modernize stuff a little bit I, it's one of those things where you're trying to serve everybody you're trying to serve the kids you're trying to serve the adults you, you know you're trying to get that general audience in there um I mean, and unfortunately, that's just kind of the way things have gone in general, even with anything that's kind of a period piece in the last 20 years. Um, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work to, to great effect. I mean, I mean, we even have a cutesy dog in this. Um, oh, God, that slobbery dog. And I love a slobbery dog, but, you know, it, the dog's real cute. The dog should have been badass. <laughs> it's Sinbad. But cutesy dog self. I would have been, look, I would have been happy with the dog if it wasn't perpetually drooling. Some dogs are droolers, man. Oh, I know some dogs are drooly. Uh, All animals, some animals are always drooly. I'm one of them. (laughs) There you go. Uh, But it's, I I think the the thing is, Katzenberger got from the success of Shrek the lesson that their modernization of these these tropes is what made it successful. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's certainly one way they could look at it. Plus, it sets you apart from the Disney model for the most part as well. Because um, we hadn't gotten to um, Moana or anything. Not Moana. Um, Lilo and Stitch yet, right? In 2003? Uh, I don't think uh, so. It's pretty close. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Toy Story had already come out, so that was a modern Disney story. But it, it is a but, way but to set it's, yourself it's something apart. Different from the though, because it was still it was still um, Pixar when Pixar had some autonomy, right? Not like now, where it's like just do another sequel. <laughs> what are we up to? Toy Story, Toy Story Six? Yeah, do it. Hey, those ones make money, so can't blame What's them. Next? Okay, finding finding Dory. What 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 comes next? Uh, that's one of the ones where the sequel came out. I was like, yeah, I don't need to see this because I got. Oh, I got I, it. Let, let, let's do finding that octopus that Ed Ed O'Neill plays. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I, I I feel bad. I feel bad for this flick, honestly, because. Okay. It it's not it's not a bad flick. It, your mileage is going to vary depending upon what your interests are, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but I think there's worse ways to spend your time. I, I, you know, if you if you like the character of Sinbad, I you know I think it's I think it's worth taking the eighty five minutes out of a you know s- slow Saturday or Sunday morning and. And throwing it on, and you know, you might like it, you might not like it, you might. Eh, it's not the Sinbad that I remember. Uh, oh, it's not trust really the... me, we are going to get to some other animated films that are a bigger waste of time than this. 
Yeah, how could we not? Because um, I really, I don't think this is a waste of time. It, it's, this one is, it's a pulp character brought into the modern world, not literally in the story, but reintroduced to, you know, an audience that hasn't, probably doesn't know about it. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're just tried, they're just trying to entertain you for the 85 minutes. Yeah, I mean, the voice acting could have been better, for sure. Right. Um, but I think, I mean, the design, I think the character designs are good. I think the animation's pretty good. It's colorful. It's got some action. Mm-hmm. It's, got a, it's got a big story, and they plow through that real quickly. I mean, you're, you're not really ever going to be bored watching this. You don't have time. And mm-hmm. if it's a pulp character like Sinbad... It shouldn't be boring. It should and, be. And you are definitely right about the fact that it's only eighty-three minutes. In that, I think most films should be ninety minutes these days. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you get a big story, you know, it, yeah, I can see movies being three hours. Like, I want to see John Wick four, but it's almost three hours. I, I can wait till that one's at home. You know, <laughs> like that's that's a long flick to to go see in the theater nowadays. So. Oh my good. I, I sat through, because I'm preparing uh, this sad Saturday, uh, Des Reddick and I are recording an episode of Dread Media covering mm-hmm. the various attempts to do G.I. Joe. Okay. Theatrically. All right. Which means that I watched a film that we're going to be returning to quite a while, kind of ways down the, um, down the road. And let me tell you something. That film was two, a little bit over two hours, and it felt like it took forever. Which, which one is it, Tom? Snake Eyes. Oh, yes. Yeah, see, I, that, I saw that. I was like, um, that doesn't look like any version of Snake Eyes I know, so oh, I, yeah, okay. I skipped that one. What was the thing that made Snake Eyes the coolest character in G.I. Joe, Chris? Uh, the fact that, um, well... Part of it is that he didn't talk. Part of it is that he had the cool costume. And then if you read the comics, part of it was that he was an outsider brought into a foreign land by his friend at the absolute lowest point in his life right. and was assimilated into a different culture. Well, well, you've you got the three basic surface things that, to me, when I think of what made Snake Eyes cool. One, he was a ninja. Two, he had a neat tech ninja outfit. Oh, yeah. Every version of it, other than the Ninja Force version, but, you know. And three, he didn't speak. So let's make a movie where we never see him in the outfit. He's not a ninja till the end. And he speaks a lot. Yeah. And I'm a huge G.I. Joe guy. I mean, I'm that age. I was playing with the toys right as they were coming out. You know, Masters of the Universe and G.I. Joe were everything to me as a kid. Um, yeah, so that's I saw that. I was just like, because uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I like the other two movies. It might be sound like heresy, but I enjoy them. I know people hated that first one. I didn't hate it. I actually enjoy. I think it was of the three live action ones, because we saw, I saw two animated ones and three live action ones. Of those five films, of the three live-action ones, I like the first one the best. I, I like Rise of the, uh, the, the second one a little bit more. Retaliation a little bit more. But it's, I think it's, Retaliation was taking itself too seriously. The first, I, I had a good time with it. Okay. Uh, you know, it's so the ridiculous. The first film 
too it was loud. Yeah, it was loud and it was stupid and it was flashy. It, but, but it, it was one, it was one it of those things like, where it's like, all right, if you're gonna try to modernize GI Joe and not set it during the Cold War, mm-hmm. this is about the only way that you can really do it. Um, yeah, nanotech about it was that it it uh, it gave me the feeling that it was it, it, I got the same sort of thrill that I would get in the backyard playing GI Joe with with my friends. Of course, back then my GI Joes were twelve, 12 inches inch, tall. Yeah. Yep. But you know what I'm saying? Is it, it? It was the same sort of kind of breathless. And then this happens. And then this happens. Yeah, it was. That was. They turned. They turned GI Joe into what it should be. Even if you disagree with some of the choices there, into a pulp. Yeah. Hell, adventure. they hired Stephen Summers, and nobody knows how to do big, stupid, flashy movies better than Stephen Summers. Agreed. But uh, but anyway, we're not talking about that. No, no, no. We're not. No, but, but we're talking about. Um, but but again, that, that kind of speaks to what this film is. There's really not much here, mm-hmm. um, other than a a pleasant diversion. I mm-hmm. guess. Well, I guess that's how. I'll, I guess that would be my final review on it. It's a pleasant diversion. If you like animation, if you mm-hmm. like Sinbad, if you like pulpy adventure stories, then it's worth your time. If those things aren't of interest to you. There's right. nothing here for you. Now let's let's play a little bit of fancy booking. Okay. Let's say that instead of putting it out in opposition to Terminator 3 and Charlie's Angels Full Throttle and the Hulk and Finding Nemo, they held it to, let's say, like maybe the fall. Yeah. Where the competition was less. Yeah, the dog days of summer, kids going back to school looking for yeah, probably would probably would have been a better idea. I mean, this isn't an expensive because people forget animation is an expensive thing. Yeah. And whether whether it's hand drawn or computer done, it's it's an expensive thing. So it's for um it's time. I don't think eighty million dollars is that bad. Sorry, sixty million. It's eighty million is what is made. Uh, sixty million. Sixty million isn't a bad budget. No, I mean you could do it back in back in that time. You could do a half decent. You probably could have done a half decent pulpy live action film for mm-hmm. close to the same amount of money. It's just that I'm. It, I think it just was, and I think also the one thing I the one thing I really appreciated about it that they did differently, namely dispensed with the songs. <laughs> yeah, might have hurt it a bit. Um, although uh, when I look, I, I think back, it's to, not the Pirates of Penzance though. I, I, yeah. you know, so uh, I, I wouldn't have wanted. I wouldn't have wanted these characters breaking into song. Unless it's a sea shanty, <laughs> you know, there's really no point. Come on, Dennis Haythbert and the guy who played Rat? I, I'm sure they could have done it. Doing, but it's doing the comedy sidekick number? Eh, no. No, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer can sing. Yeah, it's but this really isn't the film for it. 
that would have taken it back to Disney territory. And if you're trying to start a different company with different goals, then you definitely don't want to do that. Yeah, well... Joseph Fiennes has now has been in two films starring characters I really, really like that were massive bombs. Uh, because, of course, he was also John Steed in the Avengers reboot back in the 90s. That wasn't... Not, oh, that was Joseph Fiennes. Yeah, yeah. Joseph Fiennes and Uma Thurman. And Is I, that on this list of, of biggest no, bombs? Because no, I'm just... Oh, really? funny. Um... Thank God, because I really still, don't want to watch that again. I still would love, would have loved to see the original casting for that film. You know who was originally cast, right? No, I don't for that, actually. Mel Gibson is John Steed. Okay. And um, Nicole Kidman is Mrs. Peel. I could see that working, but that I, script was garbage, so I yeah. don't know if they Uma would have Thurman, been able to save it. And I, I, I like Uma Thurman a lot, but she was not Mrs. Peel. No. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is not for me. I, I, I'm willing to say that. This is, uh, I can see why it failed. It failed because they, they should have gotten better voice actors and they should have um maybe not released apparently russell crowe was originally set to voice sinbad that would have worked too i could see that working better and i could almost see russell crowe trying to do something arabic which would be embarrassing <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, we, but again people probably would have would still be talking about it you know, it would have been one of those John Wayne Genghis Khan situations. Oh my God, this is the worst thing, you know. <laughs> but, but because of this, no. Nope. Now, I'll, I have to say this because, I, and, and, and this is a film that I like. After seeing Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker and Francis Ford Coppola as Dracula, mm -hmm. I'm I'm gonna give most actors pretty big leeway on any sort of accent that they do. See. Because that one's bad. Well, yes, that's bad. Uh, John Voight's... What is? What was John Voight trying to be in Anaconda? I don't know, but I fucking love it. <laughs> but still, it's like... What nationality is that? A uh, deranged river guy. <laughs> yes. Um... But see, we're talking about it. It's stuck in your head. You yeah. remembered it. Oh. It is now time for the cat break. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves a cat. Chris, you can leave this in if you want. Get ourselves a cat.
down here. And so ends <laughs> the cat break. Oh, boy. All right. <clears throat> so <laughs> this cat break was brought to you by Tabitha the movie cat. <laughs> I mentioned G.I. Joe. Yes. Uh, it should. Be, I, I want to point this out because that apparently Hasbro did release a series of Sinbad Legend of the Seven Seas figures. Oh, okay. Um, they were 12 inch tall and came with a mythical monster apiece. Oh, that's kind of cool, actually. I'm going to have to check those guys out. So, uh, um, and, and they say it was as part of the G.I. Joe line. Oh, okay. So, which means, of course, I guess, you know, you can have your Brad Pitt G.I. Uh, Sinbad fight Duke and Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. And they were 12 in. All right. I'd, 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 I'm actually curious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check those out at some point online yeah. if I can find. I'm sure I can find pictures of them. But, so. uh, yeah. But again, if the movie doesn't make money, the toys aren't going to really sell. So what are you going to do? Exactly. Exactly. And it didn't make much money in the aftermarket, which sometimes will convince people to do another film or a TV show or something. Yeah, not not today, not with this one. So, um, and I and I can totally understand why for this one, <laughs> you know. Just... I'm recusing myself from giving this a final grade. Fair, fair enough. It is. It is. Uh, I don't think you can call animation a genre, but it it is a a filmic style that I am just not interested in it's just not for me fair, fair enough and i i me me giving a grade on this would not help people who do like animation all right all right then i i will uh i'll i'll go with with mine um i'll just do a quick recap if you like animation mm -hmm. it might be worth your time if you like adventure stories it might be worth your time if you like sinbad might be worth your time. That being said, it's not a strong recommendation from me. I enjoy it as a pleasant diversion, as I've said. Um, so this one is, and I can't remember, what's our scale again, Tom? I can never remember. The, uh, the not the loser's lounge scale is see it, don't see it, meh, eh, um, and poo. It is not. It is not poo. It is not a see it. I guess I'm gonna have to go with it. Eh. And that's with me erring on the side of enjoying it. Okay, so that so you have a high eh. A high high eh. Eh. Not high ya. Yeah, not Miss Piggy. Uh, a yeah, high eh. Yeah. Um. And. Yeah. But I mean, so far we have not hit something that we, we truly feel deserves to be considered one of the worst movies of all time. No, not for me yet. Nope. So, um, although I'm looking at our list and I'm thinking in two months time, we might hit something. Okay. But first, next month, 
as I'm trying to do my Andy <laughs> Andrew Leyland voice next month on Not the Losers Lounge. We continue our travels through the oceans with, ironically enough, Hasbro Films. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm saying that. I can't wait. There actually was a Hasbro Films um, production of Battleship. I cannot wait. With Liam Neeson, Rihanna, and directed, of course, by a, act, a, a director that you and I both like. Yep. Loads. So, um, and, and this is this is what discourages Peter Berg from ever doing anything <laughs> fanciful again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I have lots to say on that one. Uh, yeah, but uh, but that's next month. Uh, I do want to remind people that if you want to comment on this film or get some comments in about the next film. You can either send us an email or an MP3, because I'll play it. Play it. Play it. Uh, you send that to Not the Losers Lounge, almost together, one word, at gmail.com. And we will read it, and we will play it, and we will respond to it live. That's right. So, um, where else? Can people find the delightful Chris Tyler? I do the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror with Chris Honeywell and them Jack and Eddie boys, Luke and Jay Jack and Eddie. We usually have an episode or two every month. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm on the uh, the ATW doing voices of all types for all sorts of different projects with you, Tom, and the rest That's of the right. wonderful cast that we have. Coming, coming at the end of this month. No, actually, it's the beginning of next month. The beginning of May. Uh, Chris will be one of the featured voice actors in Ooh. the new Loveland Frogs story, Happily Ever After. Mm -hmm. Love conquers most, mostly. <laughs> Which is different than Love conquers moist. It's a totally different thing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Much different film. <laughs> he will be playing the part of Professor Frank. Take that as you will. So, um, the, and of course, I could be found at. A, I'm generally doing the directing at ATW, although I occasionally do do voice acting. I also um, torture Chris Honeywell. And you were a guest. That's on, just a good time on, on a recent episode oh, yeah. when we covered Sword and the Sorcerer in honor of the passing of the great Albert Pune. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a good episode, people. Go check that one out. It's a good episode coming up. Next is, and we got to record that is a film that. Most people don't even know about called the blue iguana. Oh, is that the one about the strippers? Nope, nope. That that's that's dancing at the blue iguana. Well, you see where my mind goes. Yes, the, that's the one with I think it's Daryl Hannah stripping. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, the blue iguana 
was the first and last feature film produced by Polygram Fi Films. Okay. And it did so poorly that for the longest time, it didn't even have a physical uh, a physical media release. Oof. Um, but but yes, but I, I love it. I actually love this film very much. That's one of the reasons why I forced it on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> it's your prerogative. It's my prerogative because I'm the evil genius. Um, but yes, yeah, so so join us hopefully in about a month's time to see who sunk Liam Neeson's battleship. It was it was aliens. <laughs> I'm now thinking of the guy with the funky hair. <laughs> You're the meme with the guy with the funky hair going like, it was aliens. Yeah. So yeah. um until so until next time, and we're not gonna hit when we hit dry land in two months time, we're returning to Mars. Wanna go to Mars, man? Well, we started at Mars, and now we're returning to it with a film that some people say partially contributed to the disastrous ad campaign of John Carter. Yeah, we're almost there. We're almost yeah, we're almost there. Yeah. But but that story is for another time. Until oh god, we're gonna have to we're gonna have we're gonna have to look at Pluto Nash. Uh, oh god, I've watched this already. Uh, I've, I've just, uh, I've only heard stories. I'm not looking forward to it. So, until next time, folks, this has been Chris Tyler. And this has been Tom DJ. And whatever you do, don't drink the yellow water. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks. I will not be pushed Filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own.